with age. I'm starting to rattle too. <laughs> headphones are supposed to get better with age. Have you ever heard of about breaking in your headphones? No, actually. So there's this weird audiophile legend, whether it's it's legitimate or not, that if you get a pair of headphones, you're supposed to give them a break in. So what you would do is you would play, some people just say music, some people say a specific range of frequencies, whatever that's meant to break them in. Some say it high volume, some say it regular listening volume. And you just let it burn in for like hours and hours, days and days. And then apparently the sound quality improves as you free up your drivers to move back and forth. Okay. It, it sounds like maybe it has some merit to it, but I don't really know. And and anybody that I've ever have a, like seen have a look at this where they buy two you know headphones or whatever they buy the same ones that they used to have and they, and they try this out most people don't really seem to tell much of a difference and i don't know there probably is a more objective way to do it where if you had like a listening microphone of some kind that could measure the frequencies coming out of the headphones you could possibly tell if it's more i wonder if they do it in dynamic. like quality control in the in the factory because they'd have to at least make sure the headphones work wouldn't they possibly so if they run it through a gamut of tests... I think, it, it, unless you're buying like top-of-the-line Sennheiser or something that's a premium product, you're probably not dealing with quality control at the individual level. For I like that's listening. fair. Like, it's probably just batch, where they, if they, they test a couple in the batch, if the batch is overall that you know acceptable level, then they pass the batch. If it's not, dump the whole thing, not worth testing all of them. I would imagine for most headphones. Although... I use Audio Technica monitoring headphones. I don't know what the quality controls. Like I think on that. Santa might be bringing me a pair of that of them of really? something like that for. I think so. What leads you to believe this? Uh, I asked him. He did. Yeah. Fancy. Hmm. We'll see if he delivers. Does Santa deliver his own gifts? <laughs> Possibly. Okay. Um. If you had to pick a pair of Audio Technica monitoring headphones, which ones would you pick? Santa's still looking. Santa can't make a comment. No. Really? Because they have. I got the ATH M50s. The ones ago. that everybody talks yeah, about. But they have they have a a better. They have like a since after mine came out, they had ones that detached the cord from the headphones, and I think they have a wireless version. Of they the do have a wireless version now. Yeah. Which, if it's monitoring headphones, I want a cord better overall and and i'm not really gonna have an issue being tethered to my computer because that's where i'm going to be sitting while i'm using them I, I like the design they haven't really changed much if i had to go back and do it all over again i think i'd still buy the ones that i did although if i had more money i'd probably go with sennheiser hd 700s or something nicer like that there's lots of really good premium headphones once you're willing to spend over 500 dollars. but but as I, I got mine on sale like probably five years ago where whenever it was for like probably i think 120 bucks canadian on amazon so it was a good deal at the time i'd imagine you could probably get a good sell on them still now that's why yeah i'm just waiting on santa we'll see um yeah sound well i i've noticed that my taste has changed over the past year i don't know what it is I give a lot of credit to Adobe. It sounds weird, but um, 
for whatever reason, when I used to edit all the time with Final Cut, I'd do the base color correction and a base sound edit in Soundtrack Pro. And it worked, but I never really experimented. I never really uh, had fun with it. And maybe it's a mix of the automatic audio sync, which saves a lot of time Mm -hmm. in all the weddings, or maybe Adobe just makes it easier. But I have a lot of fun sound editing weddings and that little cartoon that I made for BDs. And I also have a lot of time, a lot of fun color correcting, which sounds weird because back in school, I, I hated color correcting. I love both, really. And and auditions fairly straightforward. Although I still oh, I love audition. It's very simple as far as sound editing goes. Yeah. Premiere, the like color correction side, it gets complicated, but in a good way. Like you can you can just nitpick with every yep. little thing, and I love it. It's fantastic. That's why the episode from last week when we were in the dark. It's going to be a very interesting look. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Um, I have a few things. We talked about it last night, but I'll start tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I mean two weeks ago for the people listening or whenever, because who knows when people listen. I still have a few people message me every so often uh, that I forget are watching this because I forget that people can actually, like, you put it up. You forget that people might actually sit through and listen. Like Nancy, Tila was telling me. Hi, Nancy. Mm, hello. Because <laughs> I know you're listening, and I keep forgetting that you listen. She said that she told Tila something that she had heard from somebody. Yeah, she quoted us. She, she quoted us. That's funny. Yeah. A little bit weird, but it really is. funny. Very flattering. Um, and another one of my friends, she sent me a message. She's like, I didn't know you ever smoked pot. Like... <laughs> Where is this coming from? Oh, you're going to start getting judgments. I haven't gotten any. Nobody ever I nobody don't, messages me ever. Do you ever share the podcast? Sometimes. Not, probably not as often as you do because you probably do every one. I try to. Yeah. I Maybe half of the ones since they've been on Facebook I've shared. But uh, and, and that is, it's a little bit of a dub, double-edged sword because it'd be fun to have people maybe message me and ask me about stuff because, I don't know, I guess my life is boring enough that I could handle a few extra Facebook Is it messages. boring, though? I don't know. I just, I'm in constant search of stimulation. I always get intrigued when people send me messages because yeah. they're like, oh, but, you smoke pot? But like, then the other side of that sword is, do I really want all of my Facebook friends and family members to watch this? I guess I don't really care that You much. have to assume that most of them won't. I Exactly. <laughs> most of them will not, especially the friends, although I feel like family might be more inclined to do so. I don't think my family does. Hey, Dad. If you're listening, and I don't think you are, but if you are, send me a message right now. It'd be weird if I got a message from you right now, but when you do, if you ever listen to this, send me a message and say, I listened. I'll be like, what the fuck are you that's, talking that's about? That's one thing that a lot of podcasters get a bit meta about, even in their own podcasts, just constantly like, stop sending me these Twitter messages, getting pissed off at me from, you know, doing whatever in whatever episode. It's like, I don't remember saying that. There's a lot of times, like when I try to do a recap during posting, I'm like, I just edited the goddamn thing, but what the hell did we talk about? No, I have no So I take notes as I'm editing now to try to get a rough idea. Timestamping is also an issue too. Although I'm assuming you don't watch them. No, (laughs) no, I don't. And I don't watch them outside of the editing, but I think I'm going to have to go back 
because I know you haven't watched them. So I've done some interesting things, and nobody has ever called me out on it. Tila obviously has long since stopped listening, mm-hmm. um, so I don't get as much critiquing there. But sometimes I'll just put something in, something random. We'll call back to something, and I'll put it in. So there's some interesting little clippets and snippets in there. I'm sure I'd appreciate it if I went back, but the longer I wait, the more I'm going to forget the relevance. You're already probably at 50 hours of podcast. That's insane. Yeah. This is, I mean, not to air out any grievances, but this is actually, um, your numbering scheme is off because we did the NAS video that never got released and you marked it as a number. So we're actually one under you've. Well, then we'll just dump them. Yeah. That's okay. I can live with that. But, um, no, just little snippets like last week. I thought it was funny. Most of the time we have people screw up words, but for some reason I just thought it was funny to do. When Kevin was talking about making money, he was talking about how he works for Canada Post and it puts bed on his table. And he said it, and I went back and I checked. So beside nice. him when he says it, there's a picture of a bed <laughs> on a table. I just thought it was funny. It made me laugh. It's like the literal translation. Of yes, there's a bed I, on the table. I can appreciate that. And there's snippets and whatnot. It's fun. If if I'm not crunched on time, which a lot of times it is, I get to have a little bit more fun with it. Um, tomorrow, as I was saying, doesn't really matter, is what Melissa and I have been dating for one year. And that's a long time for me because normally I go years without dating, much less being in a relationship for one year so woohoo congratulations yeah thank you it's a long time as i said it's a long time for me and i i can say it because nobody will know i bought her like i made a collage of a bunch of photos that we've had just from when we were in florida and stuff like that yeah um i got her a little charm bracelet that has flamingos on it because she likes flamingos and I went out of my artistic realm of safeness. I drew her something. Oh. I'd like to see a drawing. You probably don't. No? And it's all wrapped up, so I can't really show well, it. I can wait. Yes. Um, that picture you took of her and I at yes. Shane and Heather's wedding. I remember that picture. Yeah. I thought, I'm going to try to draw it. I'm going to put some time and it's energy like a, into it's it. It's like a rough sketch style. Or rough sketch. Very rough sketch. And overall, it doesn't look too bad. I was half expecting you to make a caricature or something. I could. Yeah. Uh, overall, not too bad. Till you get to the faces. Well, faces Holy are tricky. fuck, faces are hard. So I went through one canvas, because I was doing it on canvas, and I had to start over. So I'm like, I fucked up the face. This, this is not good. On the second one, things were looking good. I'm like, I'm not even going to attempt the face. I'm going to cheat. I had to cheat a little bit. So I went online, and I was able to take the picture of us and kind of turn it into a sketch, like a black and white type sketch. And I cut her head out with her hair and my head out with mine, and I glued it on the canvas. So now it's like special art because it's drawn, and then there's There's our actual faces, and it is colored in. It's about 75% of what I was hoping it was going to be, but I put a lot of time into it. And while I'm not proud of the way it looks i'm proud of the fact that i was able to do it and i actually don't mind the the drawing and the coloring and the tedium of it so i have another canvas so i'm going to actually try to do like a 
like a simpler no face photo like a landscape or something like that the only thing that I was ever okay at drawing was kind of cartoon type shapes like for instance I was big into Pokemon as a kid and I could draw that out decently but it's, it's very simple lines it's not like complex shading or anything it makes things quite easy are you unwrapping a gift? It's the canvas. Oh. Well, I guess you gotta retape that up later. I will. To be fair, I don't know if I want to show this anymore. I, don't know I, want, I definitely want to see it. Whatever. I tried. <laughs> the faces are a little bit jarring, but everything else is pretty good. I know. If you take it out of the face, I, I know the picture. I'm not happy with the faces, but whatever. I was worried about details like the flowers and whatnot, but when you just draw lines, it looks like leaves, and then her dress. I'm like, fuck her dress. She should have just Wasn't worn something simple. Dress. It was a fully floral yeah. dress. So, kind of. Yeah. Not the worst. No. Not the best. So... I tried. I don't know. I like how the top of your head sticks over the camera. I didn't quite scale it. I didn't do it on purpose, but I made myself kind of longer than I actually am height-wise, and I kind of fucked up my shoulders. So it worked out. It makes me look egotistical. I'm like, oh, I'm a broad-shouldered football player almost in this photo, but I'm not. So and I'm well aware I'm not. It's just not a good perspective. So I tried. Yeah. Congratulations on trying. <laughs> Thank you. I can't say that I would be able to do any better. You should try. <laughs> Maybe. Not my style. Like I said, I like cartoony kind of style. But like, I like cartoon no, stuff too. No like complex shading, just minimalistic, just lines. Like here's the edge of a part, a feature of this creature. Like cause Pokemon was my thing. But like, I like I, cartoon. I probably do people too, I guess. Um, and the other thing, and I don't know how the hell I would ever start to do this again. Something about the friggin' Joe Rogan podcast. I don't know why it clicked. I don't know why I found it so intriguing. Um, I want to somehow find a way to slowly get back into hypnosis. So, <laughs> where do you think you would start? Would you just be practicing? Well, I already know how to do it. Yes. Which, which puts me ahead of a lot of people. It's true. Okay, so you need people. To, you need people to be part of this. You need a way to organize events. Realistically, what I need to, I need to get into a group of other hypnotists. I don't know. I, I have. It's been so long since I've actually searched for anything like that. I highly doubt that there's a Niagara hypnosis group. I disagree. I bet there is. There's groups for everything. That's true. Um, and I don't think you necessarily want to corroborate with any of those people just because back when I was getting into photography, I, I noticed there was a lot of photography groups and a lot of the people in those groups suck as people yes. and as photographers. <laughs> but eh, it, maybe there are the gems in there that you do want to associate yourself with and you could probably build yourself up from or, or work with in some way that's beneficial. There is a... Uh, Niagara Falls, New York, mental health service for Niagara hypnosis, but there's nothing explicitly that. Anyways, that's there's a holistic lifestyles well, community. We know several people that do the whole on stage. Thing. Yeah, it's it's sort of foot in a, a foot in the door. The other thing I should probably do is I should probably 
at some point consider taking taking another course and kind of getting recertified. Not that there's more modern techniques. Certified. I was a. I had a. I had a license to do stage hypnosis. Who checks that license? That's a good question. Do you uh, show up before you book a gig? Um. Well, the only few gigs that I really booked were a few at the Niagara College in Welland and Niagara College in Niagara on the Lake. And when you have a student that comes up and says, you know, I'd like to bring people on stage and, you know, potentially make them orgasm or something like that, uh, they like some sort of credential check. Yes. And also, as a student, you can probably get away with more. Oh, it was fun, Eric. Yeah. It was fun. I'm sure it was. Um. Yeah. So as a as a almost thirty year old adult, I don't know where where where's your outlet? I don't know to do that kind of stuff. I don't. I don't. I think a lot of the people because I don't actively follow, but I follow some some famous ish hypnotists, and most of them do like the college circuit and whatnot. Which I'm surprised that they still do. And I wonder if their performances have been cleaned up because they're performing at colleges. You know how some comedians only perform at colleges because yeah. they're safe comedians or whatever. So I wonder if the hypnotists do that too. And then some perform like actual stage events. I know Tila and I went to go see a young hypnotist at um, Showtime and he wasn't good. As it is the mixed bag that is Showtime. Yes. Um, some of the comedy nights are great. Some, some of the comedy nights are great. Some of them are meh. I will admit, it is kind of nice to go to a show and actually think I could do better because I can't go to a musical show or like I can't go to I can't go see Road Waves and say I could do better. No, I fucking can't. I can't go. I'm going to see The Christmas Carol in Niagara on the Lake tomorrow. Uh, I like acting, but I don't think I'm going to end with that show thinking I could be a better Scrooge. Maybe I don't know. But um, that hypnosis show with that new kid, I'm like, yeah, I could actually do better. So I have that. So I wonder if I could just go to Showtime and be like, hey, I don't know. Standards seem a little low. <laughs> they do. Maybe they're interested in another hypnotist. I don't know. I don't know what the market for hypnosis is. It's very intriguing because I find it interesting. Doing market research for hypnotists is this sounds pretty easy just look at the hypnotists in the area their yeah. followings their engagement see if you think you can do better and then if you think that you can do you can probably have a better following than any, any of those people yeah be intriguing i was i think it's interesting because it was always funny it never worked on tila because big part of it one of the deepening techniques and you almost always have to do it is the person forgetting their name. And she has this inherent issue with forgetting her name. So she always falls out of it. Every time years ago that I used to try it on her, that was the big roadblock. When the young hypnotist at uh, Showtime did it, that was the roadblock. And when she got called up on stage, she's very suggestive. She's very suggestive at the beginning. So she always gets called up on stage. But once they say you're going to forget your name, I'm like, yeah, not, not a chance. This is going to shit. And it did. And then there's somebody like Justin who has watched me do it so many times. He actually knows the secrets of everything and the, the wording and specifically what goes where and why. And I also wonder what he thinks because he's seen me do it. He's seen people do some of the most ridiculous things. 
I get intrigued from the outside. And I also... I'd be interested in going to a show just to see what it's all about. Do you think you could be hypnotized? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Of course, with the... I don't know. Maybe it's just a skepticism that I feel like I'd have a will to resist it and just not be into it. I feel like you might, but like a lot of people, you might need just a tiny bit of alcohol in your system. Yeah. And it sounds like it'd be fun just to go along with it anyways, and then maybe See, you that's, genuinely end up having fun. That's just it. It's when people are faking it to be dicks, that's when you have to get them off the stage. <laughs> when they're faking it, because they want to be the star of the show. My mentality is if they're faking it, they're doing a good enough job to fake it, but they're on stage listening to me anyways. Are they really faking it? I don't know. Like if I'm suggesting that they do something and they yeah. do it, yeah. willing or not, well, if they do it, they're willing. Whether they're like, well, I'm just faking it. Are you? Mm. So <laughs> it's the most friggin' intriguing thing ever. Maybe it's a type of social pressure that like if i don't act like i'm hypnotized then it would be weird so they just go along i don't know whatever it works and it took a long time to figure out how to do it i got my first hypnosis book when i was 12 and trust me trying to hypnotize people in grade seven probably oh, not easy not easy no when you're doing it reciting it from the book Ooh, ooh. Ooh, it's not good. No. So, but by by grade, I remember by grade 10, we had a snow day and there was only a handful of people. Um, teacher, it was in my ComTech course and the teacher was just letting us screw around on the computers or whatever. And within like 10 minutes, I had two people on the ground, knocked out. And she was like, this is amazing. <laughs> How can I learn to do this? Well... <laughs> With most teachers, it was always, this is amazing. And then it was met with, he probably shouldn't be doing this. No. <laughs> no. It's like that in college. I almost got thrown out of residence. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was a rebel. Ooh. I had to submit a, a argument letter, I guess it was. Somebody uh, had said that I had... Um, one of the, one of the things that you do, you put them to sleep. They wake up. They get they get uh, sometimes confused. And I had said to somebody because she was really she was kind of really really big on her hair. She loved her hair, so I thought it would be funny for her to think like there was something wrong with her hair. Inherently, there's nothing bad about that. There's nothing wrong with her hair. So I said, on the count of three, when you wake up, uh, you're going to think like there's there's just something in your hair, something wrong with your hair. She woke up. She got kind of nervous. Something was wrong with her hair. And somebody that wasn't me had convinced her that it was semen in her hair. Oh. Now, this person apparently did not like semen in her hair or semen in general around no. her head so she complained so she complained about semen in her hair when there was no semen in her hair and there was it was interesting 
Yeah, I don't know how the university is going to handle, or I guess college would handle that situation. I explained it to them just 100% completely honest. I'm like, I wasn't the one that said that. And there was nothing in her hair, and I would never do that. The 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 kind of... Um, the most adult that I would go would be the quote-unquote pleasurable handshake. And even then, I didn't always do that because it weirds me out. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So I said, it's kind of my thing. It's it's my guitar. I get to do something that not too many people get to do. And it's artistic because it plays with your emotion, as most great works of art do. When, when are like the... What's the earliest age of like hypnotists that you, we, we would know today? Like what's a name you could throw at me? Somebody that was doing this long, long time ago. What do you mean? Like somebody who's been doing it forever? When 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 did hypnotism as its own thing sort of arise? I think Penn and Teller have done some some stuff. They've they've worked on debunking it as well, but they've done yeah. some stuff with hypnosis. So Penn and Teller would probably be like the biggest names. I know a lot of them, but I don't think you necessarily would. Hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm just interested because we know magicians' names going back a long time. So. Uh, out of all the people that we know, I don't know any people that you would know that's also a hypnotist. Uh, Alex Kazam, shout out, yeah, does no. mentalism and mind reading, so there's suggestion involved in that. Hmm. But I don't, I would, I wouldn't call him a hypnotist. Hypnotic seance is a piece of art from eighteen. There's Danny Z. I, I'm just thinking like. If you opened up a history book and it was hypnosis, what, what's it? Uh, where does it start? Popular by Franz Frank Mesmer. Mesmer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, there you go. That would be. 18th. That's where the term. You know where the term came Mesmerize. from. Mesmerize. Yeah. So, that would probably be the best. There's. Uh... Hmm. It's interesting. Okay. I, I was just curious about how far back it goes. It goes, but it, it used to be, and it is now, but it used to be kind of more of a, a purely medicinal thing. It was mental medicine. They were able to cure issues more or less with it, and they still do that today. I've only ever made somebody stop smoking once. Like, I've only ever cured the... When's the last follow-up you had with this person? Um, probably about a year ago. Yeah, and that's cold turkey. Been quit no cigarettes. Nine years. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah, mm. it was, it was intense to do, because it's not like a stage show where it's just a hour and you're done. <laughs> it was quite a few, but when you're a cigarette smoking sixteen year old smoking more than the average adult, and you happen to know a hypnotist, which I guess not too many sixteen year olds would. No. It was an interesting experiment. Although addictions are quite a bit easier to break if you do it young, I would imagine. Yeah. It's really simple when you, when you th- I mean, it's not simple, but when you think about it, the idea of trying to, trying to relate something that they do with something negative, mm-hmm. that's, that's just it. So once they relate the cigarette smoking to something bad, they do it less. That's, I mean, I've read a few psychology textbooks that the negative association 
technique for a lot of stuff like that is interesting. And it's not just hypnosis. I remember talking about experience where people would try to quit smoking, but they'd associate it with like electric shocks or like just some, yeah. something unpleasant as a sensation. And, and that is quite successful as a, yeah. a technique. So same, same idea, just yeah. mental, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I think he was, minus the fact he was smoking, he was very socially conscious. So whenever he would go into it, I would always try to relate the smoking to like humiliating experiences that a 17 or 18 year old would have. So cigarette equaled humiliate and it, it, it worked eventually. Hmm. So. I don't know. Is he hundred percent pure? Is he hundred percent pure? Is he hundred percent cured if he smokes pot instead of cigarettes? I think so. I think he can smoke pot on the regular, but not smoke cigarettes. So I don't know. It's interesting. Just thinking about it. The podcast is riveting. Uh, I've enjoyed that one more. Just the the um, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, the name of the hypnotist. Yeah, I can't remember. That's, that's bad because it's riveting. But. What what was Joe's general disposition? Well, I'm only that? like three quarters of the way done. He was interested. Oh. He um, he is very curious, kind of calls it like a cheat code to the mind, which... That sounds a, a bit like a magazine header or something. A little bit, but because of how rapid you can do it, um, uh, I'll never forget, I... I had a roommate, and he was into magic. Another magician. We, I, very, well, we've talked about him before. He's been known to cut people's head off in frames. Okay. Okay. So he was into magic, and he found out that I did hypnosis. And believe it or not, even though that I, you know, never got with any of them, hypnosis for some reason was really popular with women, and he noticed that. He's like, "You have to teach me." I'm like, "I'm not going to teach you." because you're creepy Mm -hmm. and then he came to me one day and he's like can you do instant hypnosis yes so there's a way to rapidly induce people you can basically do with a handshake it's all about kind of screwing with their senses and their balance not balance but like mental balance and then you basically put them to sleep it's a quick induction it kind of kind of um breaks through the the first like 15 minutes of a show it's not enough to get them to do anything of value i guess that sounds kind of weird it's not enough to get them to forget their name or something like that but it's good deepening technique and i only ever did it once after reading about it because once you know how to do it slowly you can do it instant's kind of weird way but you can do it instantly and it freaked me the fuck out it's too it's too weird just knowing that it is slightly possible so i just never really did it and i probably can't do it anymore because i i'd have to know exactly what i'm doing again but he was disappointed he's like i want to try it i'm like again i don't know why just stop continue to do your balloon animals this is my thing (laughs) i don't know how related it is exactly but i've heard of instances where people use some kind of psychological phenomenon to deter somebody that's acting violently. So an example, somebody I was watching on YouTube described a situation in which some a guy was out with his girlfriend or whatever and he was acting belligerently and, and drunkly and he was looking for a fight with somebody. That's the same podcast I'm talking about. 
Yeah. It was a hypnotist. That was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, then we've seen the same thing. Yeah. Perfect. And <laughs> in the situation, yeah, the dude just starts talking about what, what it's something about the height of fences. The height of the fence is just yeah. high enough, but and it throws a guy off. But, okay, Th- that was one of the examples I was going to cite from this hypnotist podcast, but I've heard other people talk oh, yeah. about it from personal experiences. So that is hypnotism. It is. It, I mean, it's that in itself kind of throws off their mental, like their, their, I guess their, their mental uh, plan or whatever. And the, that hypnotist stories case, because the guy was drunk, he, it really did. Cause for whatever reason, drunk people tend to be better hypnotist subjects or hypnosis subjects. Um, but in, in other cases, you can just, I mean, that's why it always works with Marty McFly and Back to the Future. It's like, what's that over there? It throws them off. Mm-hmm. You can get away. That's not hypnosis. But no. If you throw people off with the way you respond to things. It's the element of the unexpected almost. Like, there's interesting, I, I've seen stupid youtube prank this is the back in the era of people doing really dumb stuff on camera that they, they still pranks. do anyway ones where people would uh, go out and, and pick fights or start an aggressive situation and then to deflect it immediately the aggressor the person who's doing the show would get naked just stripped out naked and then the person that was just about to you wouldn't throw know what punches to do them don't they just run they're out of there they have no interest anymore it's this weird derailment of the human psychology like this person was ready to fight they're ready to knock this person senseless now this person is not wearing clothes and they don't know what to do what should that change about the situation nothing really but it it does do you think it would change your like if it somebody would catch you off guard absolutely would. yeah i don't know that's i mean i it, it definitely would throw me off guard like 100 percent and it would it's something so jarring that it would probably very i mean instantaneously change your it it's the change that's the thing because yeah. if somebody approached you naked to begin with trying to fight you might still fight them because you consider them a threat or or for instance you work in retail yeah so if somebody comes up to you in immediate... six more days by the way six more days perfect if somebody immediately sounds like they're off the rocker and they're talking about absolute nonsense, you're going to probably address the situation very calmly and, and just do whatever you have to Accordingly. do. Accordingly. Yeah, to do whatever. But if somebody's talking to you and they make perfect sense and they want you to do some prints and everything works out just fine, and then at the very last minute they just throw something your way talking about, I don't know, somebody keeps uh, oddly colored spoons in the attic space. And then and you're just like, what? It's it true. Up, and that would screw things up. So it's it's the change of something sensible to something that doesn't make sense. That it changes the way. Some, something about your own psychology. I don't know. That's true. It's interesting. I watch a lot of those quote-unquote social experiments. Um, it's been a while since I've seen that one, but I've seen other ones, and some of them... I guess have some sort of legitimacy to why they're doing it. And then other ones, I'm like, that's, that's uh like kind of sexual assault. Some of them get really bad. This whole Sam Pepper incident and whatever that was. I don't even remember what the hell he did. All I know is that he was 
some I don't know some guy that was accused of some kind of sexual incident. I've seen some, and I don't know what the, I don't know if they're staged or whatever, but I have seen certain ones where they're walking and they'll like at that point it's not even a social experiment. The title of the video ends up being a social experiment, but socially. What do you think is going to happen when you're walking by a woman with a skirt and you try to pull up the skirt? That is A, very clearly wrong, and B, if she's with a guy, the guy's going to get mad. That's not an experiment. No. You kind of know what's going to happen. I like the ones where they'll try to talk to somebody and then personal crouch behind them and they push them over like a little bit of slapstick, but then the guy gets mad. Mm -hmm. What did you think was going to happen? It's true. So. There's other things that have been studied in in actual psychological, like scientific way, stuff like the bystander effect and all these different psychological pheno- phenomena that we otherwise wouldn't know about, like the gold digger videos. Yeah, where, wow, those are kind of, kind of funny too, I suppose. But the the bystander, there have been some bullying ones where they'll do like a role play of somebody getting bullied and watch the bystanders and very few people ever jump in i feel like there's a lot of potential for people to do just actually invent social experiments to see what kind of things happen like they're yeah those are just interesting ones i mean the bystander effect also applies to i think the classic one is if there's a a room where three people are taking a test but only one of them is actually a subject the other two people are you know just part of the experiment and then they start to fill this room with smoke if the two people that are not being studied don't react, the person who is being studied also chooses not to react, just to not seem out of the ordinary. They don't make a big fuss out of things necessarily just because they go along with what other people are doing. It's eh, it's difficult to summarize very quickly, I suppose. Well, that makes sense. I was thinking... Are you familiar with the Milgram's, Milgram experiment? The one where they were told to shock a certain person if they got the answers to questions wrong no no god okay i'm gonna botch this really quickly so okay there is a person that's being the subject of this experiment this person is brought into like a lab type setting where they're told that they're going to work with a partner and the partner their job is to basically administer punishments for wrong answers if you know on these list of questions the other person is in a different room and they're working with a machine, and the, the person's being experimented on is told this other person that's not being experimented on is going to receive an electric shock, increasing in power as they get things wrong for everything that they get wrong. So then they go through, they ask questions, and eventually you get to like down the list if they've got so many wrong words, getting to like a you know there's a big danger sign on the on the board or whatever, and and the person will start acting like you know screaming out in pain or like this hurts or stop or whatever. And then the, there's a person beside them saying, no, continue the experiment. We have to carry on, you know. And then this, this per, the subject of the experiment, most of the time, just continues. to the, And there's like a big lethal button at the end or whatever. And like by, by the time they reach the end, the patient on the other side is no longer responding. You don't hear anything. They just ask a question. No answer is given. And the person running the test says, no answer is given. Give a shock. The person's like presses of the shock it's crazy and it, it, to you, the look on your face it sounds like something out of like nazi germany or something but these are average north american people that were studied in this way and and this would never pass like ethics guidelines by today's standards but 
But anybody who thinks like everybody's like, okay, I would never do that. I wouldn't. There's no chance that I would follow through. But you know what? On average, people are quite average. So I feel like there's a, a dark side of human psychology that was brought out in that one social experiment. There's a lot more of that that could be done too, <laughs> but not by ethics guidelines today. Would you continue to push? I don't know. And that's, I think it's the fair answer. That I, is I can't the only just answer. Take, I don't know. I can't take the moral high ground and say I'm better than the people that were in the, these experiments that were just told what to do and they kept doing it. But it, but it is compared to sort of a Nazi-esque thing because then you look at these officers in, in you know, the World War II era that were just exterminating people and they were following orders. How accountable are those people? Lots of people would say they're entirely accountable and they should be, you know, thrown in jail or, or suffer a death, death sentence or something. But at the end of the day, how different are those people from me and you? They're just normal people. That's true. They did atrocious things. But to think that you are somehow immensely better than them, I think is maybe getting the wrong idea. If, you, if you're going it based on the, the murderous level, using the, the Nazi officers... That's a good example, I think. The only time that I will be better than a Nazi officer is right after I die. Right? Because right now... I haven't killed anybody yet, I guess. Right? So my it's thus far, the way I see it is only when I die and I've lived my life without murdering massive amounts of people, only then am I finally and, considered better. Sure. And then you want to take it a step further. Is there an objective good? Is it objectively good not to kill people? Which morally from humans, we have to accept that it is bad to do that. Otherwise, our society doesn't really function. But, but I don't know. Who's, who's keeping score is the question. <laughs> Objectively, is it bad to take a human life? Yeah. I think there are certain situations. Like I, it's, it's relative to the human experience. And if you're religious, you would say God, and that's where the inquiry stops. But if you're not religious, yeah, religious people are kind of right. Atheistic people don't have this absolute guiding compass. I would argue neither do they. The we don't hit on religion very often on this podcast, only because that is a everywhere that is a hard thing for me to talk about. Is it only because born and raised Catholic? I I went to Catholic school all the time growing up. My okay. dad's side is like actually Catholic. Perfect. Mom's side is pretty devoted Christian. My, I think there's, there's some beautiful moments that are personally centered around religion. Like my mother, my, my father was a born and raised Catholic. My mother was not, uh, without being pressed, without being anything. When my dad proposed to my mom, she allegedly, I'd never asked her about it. I've only heard stories, um, wrote a letter to my dad's mom, my grandmother, saying about how much she loved my father and so forth and how, because of how important it is for, you know, she she wasn't Catholic, she wasn't super religious, but she switched, she, she made the change to Catholicism before the wedding and whatnot. And 
she seemed to do it on her own merit. And I think that there's something nice there. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, there's a lot of bad. I'm born and raised Catholic. I can't say I'm a hard atheist. But I just don't... I just don't know. Like, I, I don't go around saying, oh, I'm an atheist. I go, I'm, I make jokes. I'm, I'm in churches more often, like, more often in a year than most people. Most of the time it's, it's with true. weddings. We're in a lot of churches. Uh, but there, there have been some, most Catholic, I haven't done a lot of Catholic mass or Catholic weddings, but Catholic weddings sometimes will even break to do communion. Not all. Some do. Mm-hmm. And then, this is what bothers me. I'm there working. I'm being paid. But the Catholic guilt in me, when there's communion, I think, I should go. I'm like, I can't do that. And not even thinking. When they say the Hail Mary or the Our Father, I word it. It is subconscious. It is ingrained in me. I, uh, I am operating a camera going, Our Father. Come on. Yeah, no, that's true. I pretty much know every single word. Yeah, but too. I don't even think about it. It's just one of those... Hypnosis. Yeah. <laughs> Religion. A hypnosis. <laughs> no, I, hmm, I don't know. It, it's something that I thought about a lot more as like a 17, 18, 19 year old. Just See, I think about it more religion. now. You do? When I was younger, I was a hard no. Okay. Well, not younger. After, basically after my mom died, I was thinking, yeah, that's a hard, hard no. I don't think that it's possible and now even after going through what went what went on with dylan i still can't be hard no anymore and it's jarring because i used to be and i'm like i don't i don't know no and that's fair not to know and i mean most people would say well that position is atheist agnostic so just saying that you don't know but eh, i suppose I, i ascribe a certain amount of confidence that i know what isn't true I can't tell you what is true necessarily. So what isn't true? I, I just don't really subscribe to any of the major religions that humans have invented. But I think that lots of them have plenty of merit. There's lots of good stories and things you can take away from them. So Of course. I mean, our society's built on these merits, of course. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. The general premise that there's, you know, a god is the part that I disagree with more than anything not that there's necessarily some kind of distinction we can make between good and evil or or perhaps best life practices or best laws even though most of the laws if not like 99 percent of them are antiquated some of them are still okay at least in this time and age so it's a good mix of everything not just the christian upbringing that i remember but also stuff from Asian, like, you know, religions from Asia or, or elsewhere yeah. in the world. Things I've heard about, basically, in popular religions. I think... I, I mean, one of the, the main things with, with most of them is, you know, you kind of have to do good. I'm more of a, just a karma-type person. I think that if you try your best and you honestly try your best, and you really, really try hard to not, you know, wrong people in ways that are controllable. Sure. And you don't kill anybody, 
right? Like George Carlin used to say, you don't need 10 commandments at best. You, you know, thou shall not kill anyone unless thy, thou gets really pissed off or something like that. So you shouldn't kill anybody because objectively my life is no more valuable than yours. So I have no reason to take yours yeah. and you have no reason to take mine. And if you do a few bad things along the way, that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. If you have a pattern of bad things, then that still doesn't technically make you a bad person. You made bad decisions. And I've always liked the idea that after, you know, I'll be optimistic after 80 years of my life that I'm not just gone when I die. Yeah, unfortunately, optimism can't bring truth to... I know that, but there's... I can see why there's comfort in it. I can see why when yeah. people oh, yeah. get older, there's there's comfort in it because they want to know that it's not the end. And even now, I'm thinking, I like, I don't want it to all. Not that it would all be for nothing, but I just don't yeah. want it to be like. I think that makes sense. All for nothing kind of idea. I've accepted it. Do you know who preys on the? need to fill this thing of loss that humans have the most like which funeral sect? homes no. no which which sect of christianity which one do you think is like swooping in to fill the void of loss in people's lives so i didn't know until like a couple weeks ago filling the loss in people's lives yeah like their their literal tactic for indoctrina- indoctrination is like people in your life will die how will you fill this void? Turn to God. See, you're going to tell me something wrong or something, not wrong, something different. But like to me, that's also the Catholic Church. They don't, yeah, they try not bit. to look at death as but a does negative ca- does thing. Does the Catholic Church walk around giving out pamphlets about it? I haven't taken too many Catholic pamphlets, but I'm assuming no. No. Jehovah's Witness. We gotta get one on here. Oh, okay, I'll see if I can invite one. They come to my door every once in a while, but we gotta we gotta find somebody. Although every Jehovah's Witness I find from here out, I'm inviting to this podcast. So one of them's gonna bite. Maybe some are watching the podcast. I saw a Jehovah's Witness comment on a Niagara board on a, like a Niagara best kept secret board. I'm like, huh? He was trying to. He was actually sorry. He was giving away a book. Yeah. And when was you looked at the, the book, it was one of the, yeah. Right. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna contact him because at least he's he's thinking differently. That's funny. It was <laughs> fake. It wasn't necessarily fake, but he wasn't from Niagara. So I'm not even gonna message him. Mm. But we gotta find somebody. I want. I think there's a way to talk. There obviously is a way to talk objectively without pissing anybody off no i don't i think that shouldn't be the precept of the argument it shouldn't be we need to not piss a person off because i don't care if i do necessarily true or not i mean there are guests on the podcast but if they can't handle a disagreement with ideas then maybe they're not the right person but i'm sure we can find the right person but i'm not saying about that disagreements happen all the time i'm saying like piss them off in the sense that we, we can have arguments and we can talk about the arguments. I, but, there's... but for a lot of religious people, that's end of discussion. You you tell them that what they believe in probably isn't true. It's true. And that's, that's it. End of discussion. 
How dare you challenge really, my faith? I'd be really intrigued. Cameo, kind of. And and for everybody else that isn't religious in that same sense, it does look really fragile. It looks really defensive from the outside to just close up as soon as somebody challenges an idea. So you definitely need somebody within the group that's a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more... I want to talk to, to an old priest, too. Old priest would be great. Pretty much any elder in any religion would be pretty ideal. An elder and a young... like It, it would also be kind of neat to, to interview a young, like, fresh out of the... Like, fresh out of the... the uh, fresh out of the clerical studies i don't know the what whatever studies uh school like a young priest pretty much would that should be the division of passion and wisdom at that point if you're dividing between the the young and the old but, i imagine the young people might feel like they have more answers than they actually do and the older people probably have more answers than they actually are giving out do you think that by the time a a priest cuz <sighs> get told to to stop mentioning it because i'm never gonna get an interview with them but melissa's priest house Mm -hmm. the old priests they have no interest in being on camera i've asked but they're so you've asked them directly no i don't go in there i'm not allowed it's a private residence perfect um there's they sound it sounds stupid to say but they sound so much like regular people which obviously they are yeah and they're retired priests, so they really sound like regular people. Like, the one priest has an impressive movie collection, and a lot of it is very violent films. And I'd love to talk to him. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. But do you think that when priests reach a certain age, like you said, their wisdom of the fact that they've lived this long takes over, and they're less preachy and more just conversational in the wisdom and the lessons that they've learned and taught over the years? I don't know. Preachiness has its motives. So if you are currently exactly, a you want priest, people to join your church, and yeah, and give then, a weekly. That, there's something to be gained from people being preachy, even if you're talking about like the nut on the side of the street that's just yelling out something about God. The end is nigh. Repent. There's a certain attention and a certain something to be gained to that person. I would argue. Whereas person who's not, you know, they're just looking to hang out with friends and family for the rest of their lives or retired. Yeah, they'd be a little bit more candid, a little bit more genuine, I'd think. I'm hoping he comes back in. But with six shifts left, with six shifts left, it's very unlikely. So I should have talked to him. I should have asked him right away. He was a priest. I can't remember who even mentioned it on here. He was telling me, maybe he's a pastor. Because he has a family. He's not a Catholic priest. Mm. He had a wife. He had kids. He had grandkids. Religious guy, though. And he was telling me about... He was so impressed at how quickly we were able to print stuff off. And at what degree. Because the photocopier can actually staple and make booklets and whatnot. So quite complex things. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But it can do a lot. He's like, technology has come so far. And it ends up circling back to how addicted uh to phones his or technology his granddaughter is and he had said that 
at one point when she was coming over, he's like, I need to find a way to organically make a conversation without just trying to get her to force her to like force her to talk. So he took every photo in his house and turned it upside down. We might have talked about this in the podcast. I feel like we did now that I'm mentioning Out on this. Your balcony. I think so, yeah. yeah. Sorry. As soon as I said but yeah, that's that's an interesting person. That's a not it's not a religious lesson. No. But he thought outside the box. He used Clever psychology guy. a little bit. Clever guy. And he said she was noticeably kind of weirded not weirded out, but she wasn't We are in for more trouble. By the time we're grandparents, what what are the kids going to be doing? I don't know. Technology is still going to have a foothold. Technology is an umbrella term. I mean, I'm sure back, you could argue certain toys or certain reading material distracted the kids from interacting with their grandparents at one point. You know, in the 1920s, some granddaughter. Stop reading that book and come talk to me. Yeah. So what... I'm curious what could possibly distract the youth of tomorrow in a way that they make virtual them reality unreachable maybe but that's a lot that's a lot closer we can conceptualize virtual reality that guy, old guy probably couldn't conceptualize what a phone would be back when he was 25 that's true so for okay so if you're going beyond virtual reality mm-hmm see that's why we need to go to the virtual reality place because i've never been in a situation where i've like where it's been so immersive i can turn off this and just experience so i would still say for me right now virtual reality would be it because i've never been so immersed that i forgot about the outside world outside of virtual reality what 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 other technology is there teleportation is is your granddaughter spending too much time with her time machine She's spending too much time in the past. You can't talk to her. Checking out other, other times. But then yeah. You can't get mad because that's amazing education. Pretty amazing. I mean, come really, if you can accept it, kids staring at their phones all day has some benefits. They're probably going to be more proficient with these technologies than we are. So at least that's that's what well, for them. Yeah, Unless you say idiocracy is upon us and, and they're not going to know how to code things and, and develop their own things from this and they're all just dependent. I, I feel like schools help with that, though. There's a lot more... Schools are always way behind the curve. Yes, but there is a lot more of a of a um, desire to show people how to, to code. There's even toys that Mason, my nephew, had built a computer a very rudimentary computer and was able to learn how a computer worked and was able to play a educational version of minecraft on the computer to do more stuff so it was very neat and there's uh, i saw that there's a harry potter endorsed wand that teaches you how to code the wand Hmm. to do things so i realize you're kind of coding magic but learning the proper uh, sequences of code to code the wand to do things so kind of neat so i feel like that stuff is a very smart thing to do they're for making learning coding more friendly which is, i would say because in the university they try to make us use python which was a pretty friendly user-friendly coding language quite easy to comprehend but 
that's kind of the way that things have went, right? When computers first came out, they weren't consumer friendly, right? You had to kind of be a, but then when, uh, like, I mean, you argue Microsoft Windows or the Macintosh and whatnot with the graphical user interface, it made it friendly and yeah. made it accessible the to the common person. Original GUIs were great. Yeah. And then as that developed, people became more powerful or people became kind of more in, enchanted and enfranchised with the with the computers and now we're at coding which is an important thing in our in our future kind of like computers were at one point coding might not have been realized as a major future and then the app store came out and you realize you can make a lot of money with a poorly even a reasonably poorly coded app Mm -hmm. so now they're trying to find a way to make it accessible for people to learn and it's good makes sense you get more ideas out there and i mean schools being behind the curve that's true but they also are are uh kind of forcing students to be at least in the curve because mason's a lot of his courses is computer work like they're they're from what i understand a lot of the courses are spent in like a computer lab classroom it's neat i love how a lot of I don't hear people complaining anymore that they made their kids stop learning cursive writing. That seems to have gone away. I don't know. Nobody talks about that. You learned it, right? Yeah. And so did I. And I don't think, I don't, I forget what age I was when I learned, when I started to learn how to. Grade three was cursive for me. So grade three, that'd be, that'd be what? How old's grade three? Grade three be probably eight, eight years oldish. So wonder. I could always ask, see if Mason's being taught cursive. No, 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 definitely. Oh, they're not at all teaching. No, no. but apparently, at, at first, that was just filled with computer time where you learned to type. Which I did both. I think um, the typing all the came right later. type. Yeah, it was a program I used. Way I, back when. I don't remember what that guy. That was, was it was. I didn't all the right type. I had the wrong mindset. And math circus. I definitely had the wrong mindset at the time because I was familiar with computers. It was by the time I was in the fifth grade, they were trying to teach us to type. That's a bit late in the game. But I fifth was, grade. Yeah, that was because we learned cursive in grade three, and it wasn't until grade four or five that we really got on computers. At least in my school, I had a really. I was in a Catholic school that was probably very underfunded and, and outdated, but it was. I didn't care for it at the time. I didn't want to learn the proper, you know, hand configuration or anything. And even as an adult, I think back and I'm like, kind of good thing I didn't learn that because I'd probably learn want to learn something more efficient, like Dvorak or, or something, you know, strange keyboard layout like that or, or type on something that's like an ergonomic keyboard because I know that there's more efficient ways to do it. Um, I learned cursive i learned typing i remember i my dad had like a window i think it was windows 98 that was my first operating system that i really used and mornings before school you know way back when when you would wake up hours before you had to do anything as a kid right school the bus comes at whatever eight school starts at nine mm-hmm. or eight thirty. i was up at like five thirty six dad would be up in the shower i get to go on the computer and i remember going to 
there was a TVO Kids website. Are you at the internet when you got a computer? Mm-hmm. See, I, I started with Windows 95, but I didn't have the internet until like years later. All right, we had we had the internet. I don't think I started with the internet. I started with Magic School Bus games. I played some of those as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, see, I've asked this question before, and is now just thinking about it. The the thoughts are coming back, but like feeling it's not guilty. It's a feeling of warmth. It's a weird thing, like thinking back to to that magic school bus games there was a willy wonka like a wonka factory website that i I would visit very neat to think that that kind of started it all i mean most people i would argue that the average person probably doesn't spend as much time in front of a computer as we do for creative tasks yeah right and i wonder if even the simple thing of being introduced so young kind of i don't know if if anything like that sparks it i know that nothing on tvo kids made me wanted to be a photographer necessarily but no kind of neat pretty much all of the time that i spent on a, a computer for a very long time was just playing games and i remember the one that i that i first played was like a capture the flag kind of game that came with windows 95 as far as i remember and then it wasn't long until I was on Windows 98, which had a couple more. There was card games. And there was, you know, I think Minesweeper was on 95 too. But anyways, I played a little bit of that. And then there was like racing games. Like there was uh, just a couple of them that I played, which I thought were the the Need for Speed games were pretty good at the time. Stuff like that. But I I don't know. None of that really, and, and my parents probably thought that at the time too, were like, there's this is a waste of time. This doesn't lead to anything. And arguably it doesn't, but got me on a computer for a long time my aunts always hated the 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 game realm um but especially on the playstation it's like ah, oh, crash bandicoot nah it's, it's a waste of time it's stimulation and it is stimulation all that led to maybe some of the first games where i actually would read and follow a story i think ocarina of time zelda like the legend See, of zelda. there's there's a creative side to things that, you follow a story that is iconic in my brain like i that sparked probably a lot of creativity, like realizing how complex these things could really be. That was on the N64 back then. But I cheated my way to getting my aunts to accept that games could be educational because I remember getting the first edition of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on PlayStation. I'm like, I'm learning, and I wasn't wrong. I loved Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I had a handheld tiger who wants to be a millionaire. So that was my educational thing. The Tiger one sucked because the questions repeated themselves after a while, so he could actually memorize it. Memorize them, but um, I, I don't know. I, I think getting people, getting kids to start with computers so early, like as we've said countless times before, just giving your toddler a cell phone as a distraction they're not necessarily getting anything but stimulation not even educational stimulation the most part it's just watching a video they might not even be able to comprehend it they might be listening to music i feel like the best time to probably start honestly is seven eight when they can comprehend something maybe a little bit younger but it's going to be interesting being parents because 
can't let your kid go behind. You can't let them not know technology. And there's no way in shit I'm well, going to be raising a kid that doesn't know something. Yeah. That's going to be that's going to be hard too cuz I don't want my kid growing up like I did. I don't want him to be a, a rock in a chair in front of a computer playing The Sims cuz as fun as it was and I still enjoy it, I feel guilty. I wasted so much goddamn time. I'm curious as to if my kids would take advantage of it or not, but I feel like we live in a time of materialistic wealth. And what I mean, and I've mentioned this before on the podcast, I'm sure, is that when I was a kid, like, I, I like, I'm making big into photography now. That's, you know, a job for me. But my dad would never really hand me a camera so much, like, especially back when he had film cameras and stuff, just because it was this expensive thing. Yeah. And he wanted to protect them. That's fine. And, you know, it wasn't really a thing that was for a kid to use anyway. So that's fine. But uh, I feel like I, maybe I could have benefited from that early on and i as far as things go i i have no gripe against handing my kid two thousand dollars worth of camera equipment i don't you don't even need to no not necessarily like Like if you get dslr for cheap well and kelton has taken it before too my other nephew if i'm going to do something and i have a camera and i know that they're going to be here sometimes i bring the t3 Mm mm-hmm which I don't need anymore. And there's nothing, we, as we reviewed with the wedding photos, if the settings are right, there's nothing wrong with using that as a camera for fun. Yeah. And if he dropped it and it broke, that sucks. Hopefully the lens is okay. Oh, but boy. yeah, I think, I hope that my kids are creative enough because you put up a green screen and the sky is the limit. We're only limited by their creativity and what dad can do in After Effects. Mm-hmm. And and think of it too. What if you just set your kid down like, here's After Effects and here's Adobe Premiere. Have fun. As a kid, I, I would have delved into settings and things like that. I'm sure just to mess around. Yeah, okay, with it. but when in that theor- in that theoretical situation, are you giving them After Effects and video footage, or you're just giving them a camera, After Effects, and no, Premiere? You give them a loose idea of how it goes together. I mean, when I was a kid, the equi- the equivalent I had was I had a I had movie stereo. Maker. And I had a cassette tapes, and my brothers and I would do silly things with. The oh, I, I did that tapes. too. Yeah. Okay, but that's that's what I had. There was no computer involved in the process. Like, heck no, I didn't have anything. I would tell stories on my on my uh, talk boy, <laughs> my tiger talk boy. <laughs> but it's Walkman. No you, talk boy. Through trial and error, you figure a lot of things out. I don't know. I feel like kids of the future have a lot more of an opportunity to just soak up everything. I mean, you can't force somebody to want to do that, but I would want to do that if I could, you know, be a kid with these kind of motives. Oh, I know. Although, I might take it differently. I would, I might say to Jesse Jr., it's not the actual name, here we have a camera, we have Premiere, and we have After Effects. And say that the camera and explain it to them and be like, You're in charge. I want to help because that sounds like so much fun. If I go to Mason, I'm like, Mason, let's make a movie. Maybe I should. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. And that'd be interesting. It makes sense that you would make him the creative drive. Whereas, like, I'll you, be the workhorse. You know, technical stuff about lighting and sound and all that, whatever. Just let him. Be the creative side of it. That'd be interesting. I'd be curious. And you got to be creative. Like, if he wants a certain thing in a shot, you're like, how can I do that? And then if you can't think of the answer, ask him. 
how do you think we would get a camera to have that in front of it? I can do that. I'm going to spend, I'm going to do like a 48 hour film, film challenge project? with him. Yeah. That'd be cool. It's an interesting idea. Hmm. Hmm. I have like a, I feel like this is like a future thing where there's like a film festival of like young creative minds and you got to be like, there has to be a, years old there has think. to be one already. <laughs> like what, what can kids dream up? If, if a four-year-old can access a can, an iPhone's camera mm. and take photos and videos, there has to be a film festival for eight-year-olds, eight years, eight-year-olds already. Mm. This is uninhibited creativity. That's where it's the best. <laughs> Fuck, like the first week of January, that's what I'm going to be doing. Do you remember having a functional imagination as a child? Because I feel like it was so much better back then. I don't know when functional co- imagination in what sense because i still have a pretty big imagination sure but i don't know there's some kind of untetheredness of being a kid when like you can just creatively think of these concepts and worlds foreign to this one yep. that are genuinely of your own creation you aren't sure you probably have influences here or there but they don't seem like they're derived from anything in the material world whereas i don't feel like i do that as much anymore i guess a lot of adults just take drugs to have that kind of <laughs> imagination but since i don't do that i feel like i've lost it except for your massively high in thc dose chocolate yeah (laughs) we were we should probably try to get people who distribute marijuana goods he didn't reply that's okay we'll find somebody i've got If, if you have a business that distributes edible cannabis but i guess other drugs i don't know what there is out there that you could eat or or distribute and you would want your face to be shown on a <laughs> podcast still but if you are doing something illegal as we said countless times before i would love to do an interview where we interview blo- a shadow person interview you in the shadow we change your voice do it right anyways we we know of somebody that cool. has really well packaged and designed I was impressed. edibles and you say that it was strong <laughs> And a good product. I don't. I don't actually. I didn't take a bunch of it, so I didn't really get destroyed. But that, I guess we could talk about that for a bit. Melissa, I think that will be one of her favorite memories of you. It was funny to watch. So it hit you. Yes, but in... that's the interesting thing about it. So a lot of people take edibles, and they if it's their first time doing stuff like that, a lot of times they regret it, and they say they'd never do it again because they take too much. That's it's very easy to do because it takes a long time to kick in. I've never had that problem. I've never, I haven't done it that often. I've just, someone's like, oh, I made these Nanamo bars or whatever that have weed in them. I'm like, okay. Th- this was a chocolate bar. And she said to me that the, a person, the person who made them smokes weed daily and is just a full-time stoner. And one of them gets him where he wants to be. So I figured an eighth of that is probably a suitable dose for me. So I ate it. And yeah, no, the, it's, it's interesting because just kind of like smoking it, but more so, the effects kick in instantaneously. It was 35 minutes in because I timed that's, it. That's when I'm you say like, instantaneously, yeah. there is that delay, but when it hit you, you could tell. Yes. It was immediate. And and the interesting thing with that, too, is if you smoke it, the effects are, they come on and they build up and up and up, and then they start coming down, I don't know, an hour in or, or however much for each individual person. With eating it, I find it is instantaneously at the peak and it'll sustain there for a while and then it'll go down but you don't have any build up it's just all at once kind of thing 
it's it's it, it was interesting too it wasn't uh you don't lose any mental clarity at least with the product that i ate it just you feel different it's, it's you couldn't measure things oh i could measure things just fine I had, I had to do some renovations in the kitchen after that so i was measuring the size of mdf panels that i'll be installing to paint like they're furring out cabinets so they're flush with the wall i gotta add some trim to it but basically picking mdf because we can paint over it cool. easy enough to do wasn't that much work really spent most of the time actually after that looking up videos on how people create islands in their kitchen with the use of old Lots cabinets of sand. and stuff sand yes water important on an island That'd be, that'd be, there's so many creative ideas for rooms. Um, have you seen, what the heck is it? It's a remake of something. Oh, I watched it with my roommate the other day, but I, I haven't seen the original, so it's really hard to figure out what the heck it was. It's about you know, these people that are, is it cloned or are they robots? Oh my God. What? I don't know. I wish I knew the name of the movie because I'm blanking on now and I feel like you would know. It's like a 1980s movie. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Wait, did you just ask me if I've seen Blade Runner? No, I know that you've probably okay. seen Blade Runner. Yes. The remake. Have you seen the remake? Yeah. Okay. In that movie, there's a, a bunch of scenes in this one room where there's like a seating area. And around it, it's like a pool of water. And it's like a reflective walls. It just looks like a big cube. Okay. Fairly functionless. You just sort of sit in the middle. I feel like that's going to be the future for like... You could do it with virtuality very very cost effectively where you have these weird room designs this, this all trailed off because you made me think of an island but then i thought of a literal <laughs> you could have a literal island in your house surrounded by water if you had virtual reality and you could go there to read a book that's true if you wanted to speaking of virtual reality even though we've talked about it a few times today even uh i can't remember if it was microsoft or sony but they put out a patent on a new product for their next gen of consoles. And when I was younger, I always said that this was the cure to obesity. And I think they're finally going to do it. And I'm intrigued. Virtual reality is wonderful. Except, for the most part, you're stuck on the actual ground. And because you're stuck on the ground, you can only move maybe 20 feet if you have a big enough room. But if you were on like a treadmill that you could walk left right and it would move so you're actually yes. in Which one spot many people have implemented ways of using in virtual yeah reality. and i've seen it but it's nice to see that the console people are at least trying to come up somebody I... patented that you can't patent that that's been done by so many other there manufacturers something about it makes it their own okay, well, like i'll have to look into it but i don't know if it's in like an omnidirectional something i can't remember what they call it but or something because with patents it's always oh it's most of them consist of a surface that you slip on yeah and and there's like a, a waistband thing that goes around that sort of stops it, it butts into you and you just slip but yeah what about that can be patented that's what i want to know uh, if they... and, and if it is patented whoever the heck has been doing it before should sue the hell out of microsoft or sony because other people have done it done it well made it work as a product that you could buy see the problem with stuff like that is, is they can come up with a design that is for the most part similar but if they change enough then that's that's the argument that's fine and with consoles what sony sells or what microsoft sells that becomes a 
a, a I don't I forget what the friggin' point I was trying to make. Um, they can change it enough that it's a it's a I don't know what the fucking point I was gonna make. That's okay. I think we're both probably pretty tired. At I'm this point. yeah. I I as you were talking, I was thinking because this is one of the first times where I've been sitting talking to you, and we don't talk like this when we're not on camera we're normally quieter and we don't have long form discussions like this there's less to talk about and more of it is social yes it's just circumstantial who's doing what today and and whatever stuff that's relevant to the now but today was one of the first times where i was talking to you and if it wasn't for the camera right there i'm like shit this is i i mean this is not a podcast this is two people conversing about different ideas that's actually wonderful and i have thought about this before i like you (laughs) i have enjoyed the past 40 episodes of this and it, it is riveting i've got to know so many things about you this is also spawned an idea where somebody was telling people to do podcasts for this very reason where they say you can pick somebody you don't even know that well and if you just do a show with them you can discover so much about that person and it's like a fast track for like becoming friends with somebody i do feel like we've only known each other for like two and a half years and in those two and a half years it's ramped up but this past year has been insane. Because You're an incredibly close friend now. I trust you with a be, lot of things. Very much because of the podcast, for sure. Why did we have this idea in the first place? Why? Yeah. Because I, I think the only thing that I can remember about it is specifically we, I wanted to have some kind of recurring content. Yes. And a podcast seemed like a good thing to do. It, it For us as far as our technical skills go it was very easy it's not we have everything so the hard part was fostering a comfort level on camera at least for me because i wasn't used to that i've watched i went back and i've watched i go back and look a little bit snippets and whatnot and to listen to you at the beginning you now you're very conversational but the first episode maybe even the second and third you were trying I want to because I knew I mentioned it several times probably within the first couple podcasts that it was something hard for me to get used to and I have to I you know one day I'll be you know good at it I don't know if I'm good at it now but I feel like I'm a lot better at it yeah and I like a retrospective of something that I probably should have noticed like 20 episodes ago (laughs) but but I get it now yeah and it's it's something that takes a little bit of time mine um now I just talk when I was when I used to do the radio show I'd have to act bored because that was part of the shtick and then I would always try to just make sure that my voice sound like exactly like it should on a radio show like the nice little deep so it sounded good on the radio hmm. Kevin I hate that movie I don't do that here and it's interesting because now it's just purely me and whatnot. I laugh and sometimes I freaking hate my laugh and sometimes I stay I say stupid shit and it's okay. Why do we do it? Reoccurring content, it's nice. People argue that it takes too much time, and that's possibly true. Some people have come to me and they're like, I listen. I don't know how the fuck you do it. Like that's that's true. Even doing like, even doing one a week, that's crazy. This thing eh. we start recording what? It's been an hour and a half? Yeah. Yeah. Long. That's a long time. And 
it's awesome, but it's nice to have that schedule. I find it nice to know I need to get this done, and I, it's it's weird having a reoccurring project makes me more productive in general. The interesting thing about it, as far as the time-taking aspect, one, okay, the audio is easy. I mean, that's been my job. And honestly, at this point, we've streamlined it with hardware that the software... If you ever want to edit the video, which you... Maybe I will, but... The, the video side of it is interesting because the editing, sure, it takes, it takes basically probably the length of at least the podcast, plus... Probably any, about one and a half. Yeah, but because anything that you add, anything you do in editing is additive in the sense that you're putting things in that weren't really there to begin with. You're not yep. cutting to some kind of camera angle with B-roll or whatever necessarily, but you can throw stuff in. And I do. We didn't originally intend. We're just sitting here having a conversation. Yeah. But maybe there's B-roll happening right yep. now. Cut to a random shot of some kind, if you remember. And I don't actually care if you do, but <laughs> I hope it's a, of something really strange. Okay. There. there you go. Um, I find, as as with everything, a lot of people say that when you're when you're making a movie, the editing is the last chance to get the direction right. Mm-hmm. And it's true here. When I have a lot but of does time... This, you really feel like you can change the direction of the podcast? No. I okay. I feel like I can change the mood. I feel like I can actually get a laugh if people are watching it. Like if it's audio, no, I have no control over that. No, right? Which some people might listen that way. But if they're actually watching the podcast, or if they hear something and they look, uh, if there's an awkward moment, like there was a few last week with Kevin, there's that awkward moment where he's talking and it just cuts back to us and we're just staring that's funny but if it stayed on kevin you lose that moment of it, it's humor punctuation basically. yeah the the, uh, the cuts are the punctuation of and that's joke or comment really and that's basically the extent of it hmm. and you say streamlined i have my i changed i don't know if you've noticed at all but over the past probably seven weeks the color scheme on the podcast has changed a lot i've done a lot of different uh, color correcting should jobs. Watch the podcast you should point. at least watch the first few minutes of each one because I change the. Sometimes we're a little bit more blue. I tend to look at the thumbnail. Sometimes we're a little bit more white or uh, yellow. Like I change the, the look, just having fun. But I always have a base, so I know because our cameras are set up right and we're using these lights that this is my base. So I just lay it and it's all perfect, it's very, and then I go from very there. Very consistent. Yeah. Hmm. So it's fun. Why did we start? We wanted something consistent, and we wanted to interview people, most of which, aside from Antea, we haven't actually interviewed. That's actually not true. I wanted to interview Antea, Kevin, and Alex Kazan. Those are three people that I wanted to interview. There's still a few people missing. I think we will at least get one person next week. This is a for sure thing. He, as long as wife number one lets him on... Andrew Dixon, my longtime baby photography colleague and TH Media co-worker, co-worker is going to come on. And he, from what he has told me, has some riveting stuff. So we have to be on our game because we only really have about an hour next week with him before we go out for dinner. So Stay tuned for an awesome accent. It will be. It's going to be great. It's going to be our not-quite-Christmas special. And that, uh, well, we'll talk about it after. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.